You're at the gym, your Lululemon Safari print crop pants are on point, and you're feeling especially cute. You're determined to get through that intense workout which involves box jumps, jump ropes, push-ups, and running. It never crosses your mind that there's impending doom. You feel amazing, you look amazing, you're doing amazing things. What could possibly go wrong? And then it happens. You start jumping and you feel it. The water works. And I'm not talking about tears of joy. I'm talking about the urine creating a Georgia O'Keeffe work of art on your crotch. You're secretly hoping that the pattern will end up looking like sweat. But no, it's pretty obvious that you just peed on yourself. Ladies, I'm here to tell you that at some point in our lives, we've all been there, done that, and played it off. I'm talking about stress incontinence, and this will be our discussion for today. fellow clinicians, and welcome to yet another episode of Vagenius. Thank you so much for sticking around with me and learning all things that I found fascinating in medical school and residency. I'm your host, Dr. Lena Rodriguez, a board-certified gynecologist here to simplify medical terminology and make you the genius that you were meant to be. Soon you'll be at hoity-toity cocktail parties, discussing the benefits of biofeedback therapy for pelvic organ prolapse and why using a mesh is not as bad as all those lawyers say it is. I'm here to help you get that higher education without the nightmare of long, exhausting hours and senior attendings that were programmed to make your life a living hell. Today's topic is pelvic organ prolapse, and please don't let the name scare you away. In short, it's basically a hernia of the genital area. Most people are familiar with umbilical or inguinal hernias, and maybe you've even heard of hernias in the testicles. Well, in women, you can get a hernia of the bladder, rectum, uterus, and bowel. All these happen in the vaginal canal, which is generally tissue that can herniate because it's not as strong as fascia. The reason I picked this topic is because I find that a lot of my patients are truthfully very embarrassed to talk about their stress incontinence. Um, and a lot of times patients don't even know that if you have a little bulge in the vaginal canal, that sometimes that could mean that your bladder has herniated or your uterus has herniated. In most cases, if patients don't have any symptoms, we normally don't even recommend that anything needs to be done. But in some cases, patients present with urgency, meaning they feel like they have to go to the bathroom all the time or they feel like they don't empty completely. And in some cases, it's very extreme where actually organs are herniating out of the vaginal wall. So you'll see the cervix and the uterus coming out, a portion of the bladder and the rectum. So there's different compartments um, in the vaginal wall. One is called the anterior compartment. And if this compartment is herniating, typically it's herniation of the bladder, and that's called a cystocele. The posterior compartment um, is called a rectocele. And then if you have herniation of the intestines through the vaginal wall, that's called an enterocele. In worst case scenarios, we sometimes see what's called a uterine procedentia, which is basically a herniation of all three compartments. 
And what this boils down to is just basically a loss of pelvic support. We have muscles in the pelvic floor and strong connective tissue that attaches to the bony pelvis. When this level of support is diminished, that's when you can get a hernia. And there's certain things that sort of increase your risk factor for getting this hernia. One is parity. So if you have a lot of kids, you can imagine that having a baby's head in that area can put pressure on the muscle and it can weaken the muscle. So the more kids that you have, the higher the chance that you can get a cystocele, rectocele, or a uterine hernia. In worst case scenarios, when patients like, you know, we see it sometimes when patients insist on having a vaginal delivery, even though the baby might be too large to fit through the pelvic floor um, or through the bony pelvis, the baby's head on that tissue, it's basically putting a lot of pressure and it can cause what's called tissue necrosis. And when that happens, that means that the tissue has died and women can get fistulas, which is a connection of the bladder to the vagina. So now you're leaking urine through the vaginal wall or the, the rectum to the vagina. And sometimes you can get stool that comes out of there or gas that comes out of the vaginal wall. So all of this is very distressing for patients. And sometimes patients are so embarrassed to report that they have this issue. But one of the one of my favorite things to do is to help patients because it really does improve their quality of life when you can intervene. Other things that are risk factors for this condition are age. As we age, we basically lose estrogen, testosterone. These are hormones that are very good for vaginal health. It helps strengthen the muscle. Um, but once we get older and we go through menopause, those hormones are no longer present and you can get weakening of that tissue and what we call atrophy. And that can also uh, cause advanced prolapse or herniation. Um, other things that increase your risk are obesity. So you can imagine if the pelvic floor or the vaginal wall is a weak area of the body, the more pressure or the more weight that it's carrying, the more likely it is to herniate. And so sometimes losing weight can correct this problem. Um, other things like being chronically constipated, if you're increasing your intra-abdominal pressure, like straining uh, to have a bowel movement, you can imagine that that vaginal bulge is going to be um, much uh, stronger and higher. Race definitely does seem to play a role. Data suggests that black women have a lower prevalence of prolapse than other racial or ethnic groups. And a prospective cohort study of 2,270 women found that the risk in Latina and white women for pelvic organ uh, prolapse was four to five fold higher than uh, black women. Um, so we do believe that, um, you know, genetics has a lot to do with it. One of the things that also can contribute to this problem is a collagen abnormality. These are very rare, but sometimes patients can have congenital abnormalities or connective tissue abnormalities that can contribute to making the tissue uh, very vulnerable. So disorders like um, Ehlers-Danlos syndrome or um, patients with bladder extrophy, 
um, these things can contribute to pelvic organ um, prolapse. So women with hypermobile uh, joints can be indicative of a collagen abnormality. And family history. So if your mother or your grandmother had this, then you have a 2.5-fold increased risk of prolapse um, uh, if you have a strong family history. So what are some of the things that you can do to prevent this from happening? So childbirth is, vaginal childbirth is associated with an increased risk. So if you have really big babies, uh, maybe you may want to consider a C-section. Um, but that shouldn't be the end all. You know, we do know that women who don't have uh, vaginal deliveries or women who don't have babies sometimes can get prolapse as well. So it's not like something that we automatically recommend. But if you did have a history of like a fourth degree tear or a really traumatic first delivery, then in general, I recommend that if you're not planning on having a lot of kids, then uh, maybe the second delivery, you may want to attempt a C-section. So um, some of the things that you can do for prevention is, okay, say you're a weightlifter and you're increasing a lot of your intra-abdominal pressure. Well, there's a reason why Olympic weightlifters wear a weight belt, um, and that's to prevent inguinal hernias. Well, the same concept goes for women. So if you have a job that requires heavy lifting, um, if you're a weightlifter, then I would definitely suggest that you wear a support belt. Um, there's a lot of websites like Rogue Fitness that um, provides uh, support belts for women that are lifting weights. And so that's one thing that you can do. Using a pessary is an option um, before proceeding with surgery. There are a lot of patients who have, you know, the other medical histories that that um, make them poor candidates for surgery. If you've had a heart attack or a stroke or if you're going to bleed out, then obviously we want to use maybe a mechanical device that can go inside of the vaginal wall to lift the pelvic organs and provide support. And this pessary, you can use, it's called a pessary. You can use it indefinitely. So I have a lot of patients that are elderly that probably would not survive a surgery. So we do what's called a pessary fitting and we see what size would be perfect for them. And usually that will help support the, the pelvic tissue. One of the things that I love to do in any of my patients who have this problem is to refer them to um, biofeedback or physical therapy. Physical therapy works really well in terms of helping you target the muscles. Um, you guys have probably heard of Kegel exercises. Well, this helps you target the muscles so that you learn uh, the types of muscles that you can contract in order to help support your pelvic floor. The vaginal wall is a muscle just like any other muscle in your body, and you have to exercise it. If you don't exercise it, the muscle gets weak and things start to fall out. Um, if you're postmenopausal, I strongly recommend that you consider hormone management because hormone management is definitely great for vaginal health. If you are not a good candidate for hormone management, you can do the Mona Lisa laser. And the Mona Lisa laser is a CO2 laser that you can use in the vaginal wall. And what it does is it basically causes small little micro burns in the vaginal wall. I know that sounds awful, 
But what it what um, the the concept behind the laser basically is that it stimulates your body to want to heal these areas of trauma, and in the process of hearing of healing these areas of trauma, it basically provides more collagen, elastin, fibrin, all the really good cells that you want in that area to help rejuvenate that area. And then lastly, there's surgical management. So surgical management really depends on how bad the prolapse is. If you just have an anterior compartment problem or a cystocele, you can do what's called a colporophy. And all colporophy is, is basically a nip tuck. You're giving the bladder a little facelift. You're removing the excess vaginal tissue and providing reinforcing sutures um, to, to create a little bit of a scar in that area so that it supports the bladder. Now, colporophies don't work that well in, of, in it of itself if you don't do things to prevent um, you know, what caused this in the first place. So if you do the colporophy, but you're still lifting heavy weights, uh, you're not using a support belt, you're not doing biofeedback or physical therapy, guess what? you're going to get a cystocele again. Um, if you have a, a problem in the posterior compartment like the rectum, typically I don't recommend that patients do the posterior compartment unless they're having symptoms, um, having a bowel movement. So say, for example, I know this sounds really gross, but I've, I, um, I always ask my patients, do you ever have to insert your fingers into the vagina to relieve the stool? Because what's happening is the stool, it's getting trapped in a little pouch uh, or in the hernia that's, you know, kind of seeping into the vaginal wall. And sometimes the only way to get rid of that stool is to put your fingers into the vaginal wall and push it out. Um, if you're having that type of situation, guess what? You should get that fixed. Um, other things, people with chronic constipation, it could be because um, they have a rectal hernia and things are getting stuck there. And so they have to chronically strain and sometimes just fixing that rectal hernia can help. But if you're not having any issues with, um, with your bowel, if you have normal bowel movements, then we don't typically recommend surgery if you're completely asymptomatic. For patients who have uterine prolapse, um, sometimes if the prolapse is not that bad, a simple hysterectomy with a vaginal cuff suspension will help. This is called a uterosacral ligament suspension, meaning that we remove the uterus and the cervix because that in itself is sometimes putting a little bit of weight and pressure and that's the stuff that's, that you feel coming out. Once that's removed, then the top part of the vaginal wall that was once connected to the cervix is attached to these really strong ligaments inside of your body. They're called the uterosacral and cardinal ligaments. We use a permanent suture at each of the angles of the vaginal cuff, and we attach it to these ligaments in hopes that this is going to support it. Now, again, if you keep doing the offending things that make this worse, like heavy lifting without a support um, or have chronic constipation, um, then obviously this hernia will, um, recur again. And usually within three to five years, you'll see it again. The best type of surgery for uterine prolapse. So if the prolapse is pretty severe, or if you have a procedentia, then we recommend a procedure called a colpopexy. And all a colpopexy is, is basically you're doing 
a facelift or I mean, I call it a facelift, but you're basically lifting the cervix with the aid of a mesh. The mesh goes attached to the anterior part of the cervix and the posterior part of the cervix. And then we attach the distal end of the mesh to the sacrum. The sacrum is uh, the bone that we sit on. And the reason why we attach it to bone is because if you attach this to, say, the uterosacral ligament or any other muscular part of the body, well, in time with gravity, these muscles can weaken and the hernia will recur again. With a copopexy and this mesh, um, the risk of herniation is actually, or of recurrence is very, very low. And the cure rate is about 95%. Now, meshes, as you guys know, there's a lot of controversy with it. I meant it when I said in the beginning that, um, you know, that these meshes are not, are not as bad as all the lawyers make it out to be. And lawyers have a field day with meshes. Meshes are, used um, to correct umbilical hernias, inguinal hernias. These are um, little sheets of strong um, polypropylene that help us um, provide that extra support that you may not have. And the main thing with the meshes is that sometimes because it is a foreign body, your body might reject it. Sometimes uh, there could be uh, infections that can occur with the mesh. And, you know, surgery doesn't come without these risks. So any doctor that tells you that these meshes are not risky is lying to you. But we have now streamlined many of these meshes and we understand that the pore size of the mesh um, has to be a certain size to allow for the white blood cells, red blood cells, all the cells that basically will kill off bacteria to be able to filter through. And so it makes it so that rejections are much less likely with these meshes. Um, finally, one of the things that we recommend when you do a hernia repair is to also provide what's called a sling. And a sling is a little tiny mesh that goes underneath the bladder neck. Um, oftentimes I tell my patients that when you fix the hernia, um, the bladder is now in its perfect position. But it can mean that now you, you, um, your urine stream is much easier. And sometimes because it's much easier, you can leak urine. And so you don't want all of those embarrassing accidents. Once you correct the hernia, you want to put a little sling underneath there um, so that it provides uh, support and you don't run the, the risk of uh, incontinence. Um, so that's it. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, short episode on incontinence. Please um, subscribe to this channel. Send me comments. You can uh, send me a comment um, at thevagenius.com. Um, if you have any questions, I'd be happy to answer them on the next episode. Or you can also uh, subscribe to my Instagram and send me a direct message. You guys have a great day and I hope you enjoyed this episode.